I think if you're anyone who's in the 3PL storage warehousing business, I think 2024 might be a good year. <laughs> hey, Matt. So I don't have a super exciting topic today, but nonetheless, super important. Amazon fees, they're changing. It's 2024. Amazon has put out the new guidelines for how really some specific fees are going to change and how some actually new ones are going to be created. I was excited, which is weird to say when talking about fees, but I was actually excited, Matt, because for the first time in a long time, Amazon is actually lowering specific fees. Uh, I've been spending on the platform for a while, as has many of our clients. Year after year, it feels like Amazon just creeps these fees higher and higher and higher. And I've, I've long thought to myself, that doesn't feel super sustainable. But at a certain point, there's only so many margin dollars. Amazon obviously has inordinate costs on their end, but as a seller, margins keep getting squeezed in various ways. So I was uh, excited and slightly relieved to see um, some notable fee reductions. Not everywhere. There are some places where fees are going up in specific areas, as well as entirely new fees that didn't exist before are being introduced. So we talked a little bit about this before. I'm going to try to keep it at a super high level. I know this is a dry topic, but nonetheless, super important. So I'm going to share my screen. We're going to run through some of these specific line items. And I'm not going to, my goal is not to just read tables. Anyone on their own time can go to Seller Central, review these graphs and tables and, and do the comparisons. But I do want to cover some of these specific changes because they are important. And I'll focus and zero in on some of the, on the more specifics where I think it's relevant. So hopefully that sounds okay to you. I, you you're an accountant, so you should love talking about these. Yeah, no, I think it, it's, well, one, it's good that at a high level, there is some reduction because I agree with you. I think there's only so much that Amazon can take out of what sellers are getting before it becomes unsustainable for the sellers. The other right. thing that I was excited about, and I'm sure you'll get into when you get to that section to see that they're making the details on shipping much more granular. So if you had a product that was in the middle of your range, you probably couldn't easily shave enough off to get to a lower tier. But now that there are more tiers, you may be able to make some strategic moves to further cut your shipping costs by just shaving a little bit and getting into a lower tier that you couldn't have done before. So I think it's definitely like we always say, right? For the people who treat their business like a business and make data-based decisions, I think there's some good stuff to work with here. If you're flying by the seat of your pants, well, you probably aren't watching this video anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> Very true, very true. Yeah, this is for people who are, are pretty focused on the specifics. So no, I, I couldn't agree more. And we were talking a little bit before we, we press record, but at a high level, I think a lot of these changes can be summarized as for people who are really dialed in on the logistical aspect of their business when it comes to being on top of Amazon FBA, making sure they have enough stock with Amazon to keep up with the sell-through and the rate that people are buying their products, but not so much that they have a year's worth of inventory or half a year's worth of inventory. Those people in many ways, I think, are actually being uh, rewarded by a lot of these changes that Amazon is making. And for people who are just haphazardly ordering a bunch of stuff from China, having it shipped directly to FBA, they were being penalized before, in my opinion, the way Amazon had their fee structure set up, but that is only going to increase based on some change that Amazon's made. Like we said, we're going to try to keep it at a high level, but going to where the specifics really count. Just want to dive in onto the new Amazon FBA rates. So fees are going to you know, decrease. Again, this is a decrease, which we haven't seen in years, uh, by 20 cents per unit for the standard size items. If you're selling in the, the large bulky size where your, your products are in the large standard or on the bulkier end, you're going to see also a decrease by 61 cents uh, per unit. So Pretty, again, where we've seen rates just steadily increase year after year. For the first time in a while, we're actually seeing 
rates decrease in, in both size categories for products, which is just huge. Uh, for people's reference, again, where our goal is not to just read size charts or, or, or tables that Amazon's put together, but we have a blog. You can, or that's what I'm looking at right now. And you're able to check out all these tables and review them on your own time. So this is really interesting because it's pretty split with our clients based on who's using this program and who's not. So by default, when we create shipments to send into Amazon FBA, Amazon splits that order typically into multiple shipments. And this is obviously an inconvenience, right? If I'm you know, sending in several thousand units, I can't just send it all to one location by default. I have to split that into multiple shipments going to different uh, locations, different fulfillment centers across the country. There, this has been around for a while. You can basically, it's a simple setting, Seller Central, you could check saying, I want all my stock to just go to one inventory center. I'm going to pay a premium uh, for that. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay like a per unit chart. Amazon put out, by the newest stuff that they put out, Matt, they've said basically, hey, that's actually pretty expensive for us because it, it really, it makes sense if you think about it, right? Amazon is taking the stock and in the, in the default setting where you send it to multiple fulfillment centers, you're offloading some of the, the work they have to do, which is the moment they get your stuff, they ship it all around the country to different fulfillment centers. That's how they're able to achieve two-day shipping through, through the Prime program. But it's, it's really expensive. When you send all your stock just to one fulfillment center, Amazon immediately, the first thing they do is start shipping that all across the country. And so this has been Amazon's way of saying, hey, you're going to have to pay for this. <laughs> if you still want that convenience factor of sending stuff to just one uh, fulfillment location, there's going to be an additional expense and they, and they give you a chart uh, table to look at to kind of calculate that. So it's kind of split, you know, based on who's taking advantage of that, who's not. But again, if you're used to doing it the, uh, the default way where you send multiple shipments, you batch that according to what Amazon tells you to do, it's really not going to be a big change. It's going to be about the same. If you were using that convenience of sending it all to one location, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on, on this, Matt, because I feel like this will be massive cost savings for a lot of your clients. Amazon is bringing back a program the ships in product packaging program. So I think this is just awesome. We've all had that experience. I'm sure you have too, Matt, where you get an item from Amazon and you're opening a box to look at another box that could have perfectly served as the package that item was shipped in. People get on Amazon and rightfully so. It's very wasteful. They're getting packages that are perfectly fine and reasonable and they're putting them inside of another box. They're kind of reinstituting another program that they kind of had on the back burner. But basically Amazon's saying, and there's a really helpful link people should check out, I have it linked here. If the item that you sell comes in a package that they can just slap a label on and ship it out in, you're going to see cost savings, uh, which I just think is, is super cool. And I'm, I'm curious, just you obviously know the, uh, you know the ins and outs of your client's fees, Matt. Like, do you think this will be pretty big for some of the people you work with, just given that the way that they, the products that they sell, what they ship out, the kind of savings that they might benefit from? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a fair amount of people who could immediately benefit from just making this switch and other people who strategically could think about well, what am I putting my package in and what kind of change would it take to be able to then qualify for this program and the cost of that change versus the savings I would get from being in this program. And I think for a lot of people, it's an easy win. People are always looking for ways to cut back the, the cost of their products, the cost of goods sold. This seems like a pretty easy win. Plus, you know, it's a, a win for the environment and it's good from that standpoint as being a, a brand that cares versus a brand that doesn't. So I think right. it's definitely something worth investigating for, for pretty much anybody. And then if some things I can imagine just this wouldn't be a fit for, but I think there's a lot of products that would absolutely be able to take advantage of this. You know, something that we've been kind of brainstorming internally over here for like some of our products is even 
this is an opportunity to where before you might have just been look you might have looked at packaging as let's get that cost as low as possible because obviously you have to contend with all of the, the Amazon fees associated with that. But if there's some real margin dollars that are going back to your your product in the form of savings from Amazon here, maybe able to take that and in a sense maybe invest that in better packaging that you could put some some branding on some unique sort of call outs that it wouldn't have made sense before to do because again all Amazon was going to do is just take that and put it in another package. But now you might have additional budget from these savings to kind of invest in better packaging. So I think there's a lot of opportunities with this. I'm super excited about it and we'll definitely be leveraging it. I think it makes sense for a lot of folks to do the same. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think almost anything that would slide into a sleeve, right? Where you're just using a basic plastic bag sleeve. If you upgrade that just enough so it becomes a mailable packaging sleeve and then you can put some branding and some information on it whatever and amazon now takes it labels it and ships it without putting it in a box you save money get better branding and the cost differential you should come out ahead on the savings versus the added few cents for the slightly upgraded packaging so yeah i just think that it's worth taking a little time and thinking about what you're selling and if this applies and making the change yeah, I, I think it's a win-win. Folks should definitely check it out because, yeah, to, to have that additional budget for for better packaging, it just doesn't make sense not to. So um, but let's get into some of the FBA monthly storage fees. So again, very interesting to see these actually uh, go down. So what really matters here is, well, so storage fees, which I mean, so many people uh, we work with this year got absolutely caught off guard by. It's one of those things where it's you want people to stay on top of that, but like we'll get to later in some of the fee structures, Matt, people who are not on top of sending, oversending stuff to Amazon, October to December, they really feel that. And they get hit with some bills that they were not expecting, and it, and it can get pretty ugly. So what people should know at a high level here, peak season, those fees, that Q4, October to December, those storage fees will be the same as last year. However, for non-peak season, January to September, Fees are going down by around $0.09. Cents. So they were $0.87 cents a cubic foot before. Now they're down to 78 So I think this is this is great. I, I was worried when I first saw this. I was like, "Where's what's the catch, right? Are we going down in non-peak season, but we're going up in peak season? Obviously, we'd all prefer to see fees both in peak and non-peak season go down. But Amazon's keeping uh, peak where it is currently, but they are decreasing by $0.09 cents, uh, for that January to September Q1 through Q3. So additional cost savings for folks. Yeah, that sounds good. Again, anytime fees come down and there's no catch on the flip side, <laughs> that's yeah. good. That's yeah. take advantage of it. Definitely. So there's a new fee which is is interesting. We, we've talked a bit so far, Matt, you and I, about Amazon penalizing folks for sending too much inventory for being overstocked in their warehouse. They are instituting a, a new policy. They're calling it the low inventory level fee, and so Amazon is now going to penalize people who don't have enough stock. And this is this is interesting because a lot of people who struggle to stay in stock or folks we work with, sometimes it's often budget related, right? They, they, the cash flows to buy inventory to stay on top of it. So it's it's a bit of a bummer, in my opinion, that Amazon is then going to add to that financial burden by penalizing folks. Their explanation is, and it does make sense, when stock is is low in the fulfillment centers, that adds additional costs because they have to ship those units around the country to, to again, keep Amazon's promise to their customers for Prime members to keep those, those shipping times where they're at. Amazon is telling me that they often lose money when, when stuff is low in stock because they're having to really pay lots in freight to move stock around to, to meet that two-day threshold. And so they're passing that cost on to the sellers. And they're saying, look, if you can't keep 28 days of historical sales for an item in stock, you're going to pay a penalty to Amazon. 
So they break down here the the rates um, of how they're going to do that. But again, this is kind of there's carrots and sticks here, Matt. Uh, if you're on top of your sell through and your logistics are dialed in and you're you're sending it enough to stay on top of that that 28 day threshold, but not too much, then you're going to be fine. I think this is interesting. It, it makes me wonder if you're somebody who's winding down a particular SKU or even your whole business, how does that impact you? Because obviously you're trying to get rid of inventory, but as you're trying to get rid right. of inventory, you're now under your threshold and paying even more for it. So it may change the equation on when you just decide to trash stuff or or have it pulled. It also makes me think this is what they're trying to do really is have more products that sell through faster in stock. And and really, it sounds like getting rid of the stuff that's long tail. It's your 28 historical day average, but it makes sense, right? You, you, they don't need a 400th or a 1,000th seller to send them in 100 pocket knives that are just like <laughs> 999 yeah. other pocket knives as just another listing, right? Right. It, there's... Variety is good up to a point, but then it, there's diminishing returns on additional variety, especially when it, there really isn't variety other than the brand name's different, but the product is identical to lots of exactly. other E2 products. So it makes sense to me. If I was running Amazon, I don't, I don't know exactly how to filter who should and shouldn't be a seller without a human editorial review. So one way to do it sort of algorithmically is to incentivize the people who have good products that sell at volume and disincentivize through fees and penalties and more stick than carrot, people who have slower moving products that just don't sell that well. And it seems to me like with these all these changes in aggregate, that's what they're doing, right? They don't want you to have too much inventory. They don't want you to have too little inventory. If you can't order enough to send it to multiple fulfillment locations at once, like that doesn't make sense for you. They're going to charge you more for that. It just seems like they've reached a point where getting all the things in the world that you can buy onto Amazon has pretty much happened. Right. And right. now they're trying to get go the other way. You know, our storage space and our fulfillment service is valuable and we don't want it tied up with stuff that doesn't sell particularly well. And it seems to me, reading between the lines, a lot of these things are built to incentivize the good sellers and disincentivize the slow and poor sellers that just don't make Amazon as much money and take up space from something else that could be selling better. That's a really interesting point, Matt. It, it makes me wish I could be like a fly on the wall for one of those, for some Amazon meeting that's dealing with this exact topic of like, in their in Amazon's mind, have they accomplished the stated goal of like we we've opened the door to third party sellers? We feel that we have enough third party sellers to cover the the business needs of exactly checking those boxes of competitive pricing, enough variety to meet the consumer demand. And now we basically want to, I don't know, for lack of a better way to put it, thin the herd uh, through sort of these these carrots and sticks incentives of like, look, we we have this base of third party sellers we know can reliably meet the customer's needs. Let's reward those and punish the others who can't. I'd be very curious to know where Amazon's at in their sort of their thought process on their relationship with that that demographic of third-party sellers. But I think you're exactly right based on everything that we're seeing with these fees. Well, it seems unlimited almost, but really it's not, right? There is a finite capacity they have for warehouse space and fulfillment services. And 
Yes, they keep adding more, but that's very expensive, right? You got to buy land, you got to build the building, you got to add trucks, you got to add staff, you got to add robots, all the stuff, right? So it would be now, I'm sure they will still continue to add some fulfillment capacity as time goes on, but I think they're at the phase of their business where they now optimization is going to yield a higher ROI for them than just continuing to build more and more just to have more and more sellers of very basically the same items, right? So the same widgets, yeah. This is the way now that they're moving towards the optimization phase of delivery where I don't necessarily need to build another warehouse if I can just get more of the faster sellers in the warehouses that I already have and get rid of some of the guys who, you know, you sent in 5,000 weighted blankets, which take up tons and tons of space and then people just aren't buying them anymore so you know if you're going to take up my shelf space you're going to pay me for it and hopefully people realize okay well maybe i need to not send in so many or maybe this isn't even a line of business i want to be in anymore great because we've got all these people selling all kinds of other stuff that is selling fast and that's the space we really want to use so to me this seems like an optimization play on their end I think I think you're exactly right. And then to that point, the storage utilization, again, all of this is to, to reinforce what you just said. Things that used to be this, this 22 to 52, that used to be 26 weeks being the bottom threshold. Now it's 22. So again, reinforcing everything we just talked about, Amazon saying, look, if you're not dialed in on the fulfillment side with it using our fulfillment services, you're going you're gonna to pay a higher price. And again, people can familiarize themselves with the table to see exactly how much they might stand to pay in additional fees. Again, inventory removal, right? Sellers, you know, things happen. Inventory doesn't sell. Items are defective. There's a lot of reasons for having to create a removal order or disposal. Amazon saying, hey, that's, we're going to charge you more for that. Um, and so the, those, by an average of 7%, the per unit removal or disposal fees costs are, are, are going up. And, and in, in the same breath, uh, Amazon returns. Uh, I, they're basically, this is a tax. Uh, there's another way to put it. You have a crappy product with lots of returns. That takes time for Amazon to handle those. And uh, they're only going to increase that, pro- that processing fees for the returns that they receive at their facilities. Uh, and again, you can check out the rates specifically. So let's move on to some additional things that I think are uh, most of this all really good news, uh, in my opinion. So for people who uh, sell in the apparel category, you're going to get some fee breaks, some pretty massive ones, in fact. If you're selling between that $15 and $20 price point, you were paying 17% referral fees, higher than the standard 15%. That's going to fall to 5%. If you were selling for apparel products below $15, your referral fees are going to be reduced. They were 12%. Now they're 5%. So across the board for folks in those price ranges, if you sell in the apparel category, this is great. This is, you know, it's as much as 12% additional margin added uh, back to your, your, your product. So that's, that's pretty incredible. And that's, that's great for anyone who sells apparel on Amazon. Amazon Vine, which I'm a big fan of, that is going to be at a lower cost. Which is, which is wonderful. Uh, mine is key for, for anyone who's launched products on Amazon and done it, in my opinion, correctly. They will have leveraged Amazon Vine um, and it's not free. Um, it costs money and uh, Amazon's going to be lowering those fees and thereby that barrier to entry for folks to, to leverage that program, which I think is great. Yeah, I think I want to wrap it there, Matt. I, I think at a high level, again, I'm not trying to just go read the, the fee charts line by line. I want to keep it at a reasonably high enough level, but yeah, I, I think this will be super helpful for folks to just familiarize themselves with a lot of these Changes are going into effect now, or they will in, in March or April. 
So the more you can get on top of this now, you'll be better equipped to make those changes you need to in your business to, to get ahead of this. Awesome. Well, let me ask you one wrap up question then, because I know you have a ton of experience and you actually operate a business in this space. And I'm sure it's going to be a question that some of our clients are going to come to us with. Given these changes where supply chain optimization is really what they seem to be incentivizing here, when should a seller consider involving a third-party logistics system as part of their overall inventory management, right? Obviously, the a lot of sellers, first round, second round, they will buy something from overseas and have it go directly to Amazon. But as we've just reviewed, that may not any longer be sort of the optimal supply chain system for a lot of people. So when does it kind of make sense to think about involving a 3PL to help with some of this, you know, the inventory storage and sending to multiple warehouses and handling some of these other issues to keep yourself in that Amazon sweet spot as far as their supply chain goes? Yeah, I know it's such a great question. My answer to that would be the moment through either volume or stress levels, you've left the garage phase. Uh, You know, I mean, we all started there, right? You've got the stuff in your house or your apartment for me at one point, and you're sending this stuff in. If you're doing that, the volume for your business is clearly at a place where you can, you're not selling so much that you can stay on top of that. Um, and that way, you know, you're, you're really dialed in. You know exactly your you know, hands on the inventory, you're able to do some quality control. That's great. But whereas before you might have been able to get by with some penalties, but not too much by sending all that stock straight into FBA, I think the moment you're past the garage phase, you're going to want to look to involve a, a free PL or, or someone. And, and, no, that's for us. When we built out our warehouse um, in Shameless Plug, we are a 3PL ourselves. We offer that services to our clients. But that was a huge reason we did it. We knew for the volume that we were moving our own products, but also for the needs of our clients, a lot of people in that in-between phase were just going to be absolutely hit by so much of these fee increases. And this goes back, you know, Amazon's been raising fees for a while. So this only reinforces, I, I feel in a lot of ways good about that decision, Matt, because if we didn't have that, that facility that we built out for our own stuff, we'd be in a pretty tough spot because a lot of people are relying on FBA for storage and it's just increasingly not a sustainable way to do that. So that's my answer. I hope that's helpful for folks. But if you can't keep up with it yourself in terms of managing that sort of really homespun fulfillment that you're doing by yourself, you should look to involve someone who's basically what you need is someone who can hold that stock before it goes into Amazon and not pay an exorbitant price to it might, this might be a big ask. I don't know, <laughs> but it would be really cool to have some form of calculator where you could say, here's what I buy and, and here's what it, the volume and the size and, and then 3PL versus Amazon or versus garage. Something yeah. where it tells you, okay, well, if you just send it straight to Amazon, it would be X per unit. If you use a 3PL, even given the 3PL cost, it's Y per unit. And if you just leave it in your garage, it's, it's Z per unit, but at hours of, of your own time, right? And driving right. to the post office and all that stuff. So uh, yeah. something that would help you figure out, here's the break-even. And my suspicion is the break-even on a 3PL has just come down quite a bit. Yes, I think they are 100% right. I mean, there are a lot of, in my opinion, the, the, frankly, the reason we got into the 3PL space is there were so many, there were so many bad 3PLs charging just insane rates and fees. But even with the fees that they were charging, it still kind of made sense versus paying some of the Amazon storage costs and some of those additional fees associated with all this stuff to Amazon. 
So yeah, no, I, I, we could, we could work on that. That'd be kind of fun. The, the thing that always is the back and forth with the Amazon storage versus us is traditional. A lot of three PLs do storage by pallet and Amazon does cubic feet. So it's just some math involved. It's not too complicated, but yeah, that would be interesting to know for, for folks. But I, I agree, Matt. I think if you're anyone who's in the three PL storage warehousing business, I think it's going to be 2024 might be a good year. <laughs> Uh, because a lot of people are going to be looking for alternatives. You know, if, again, if you're past that garage phase, the stuff's got to go somewhere and it can't be Amazon FBA unless you want to pay a lot in fees. Right. So. Right. Excellent. Excellent information. And thanks for uh, putting it all together.